everybody. Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, your favorite podcast about ministry with your two favorite youth pastors, Kyle and Derek, sponsored by Post-its. Wow. If you're new to the show, uh, we just grabbed something. Uh, this is actually like we're three episodes into this yeah. uh, this trend here, but just grab something random from my office and self-promoting our sponsorship. Claim it as the sponsor of our podcast, uh, Derek. We just determined that Post-its does not have a slogan. Correct. Um, so, but uh, we're we're on a Reddit thread. Yep. Of uh, of some options. Uh, ooh, I like yellow square anywhere. Uh, it's, that's it's, not bad. It's but what was the one that, uh, well, the first one that we were like, oh, that's it. The one I love, let us remember that for you. Like that, that's super okay. awesome. Like that's, that, that's, that hits deep. Yellow. No, what was the, uh, helping ideas stick. Yeah. That's, that's a good. good. One. That's a good one. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Somebody, this is uh, somebody on this Reddit thread is claiming that the the original poster is the Post-it marketing team. That's just lazy, <laughs> and I think that's hilarious. Uh, but well no, done. we have to give we have to give Post-its uh, some love because they are made by the company 3M. Yep, which is a Minnesota-based company. Amen. Where we are, so shout out to 3M. 3M. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look up uh, largest. Do you know what 3M stands for? 3 million, which is how much they brought in last year. There's no way that's true. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure they're probably a multi-billion dollar company, if I had to guess, because they are everywhere. And I found out they literally make pretty much everything. Like, like yeah. any anything you would use in your life in terms of uh, office material or like... It was the other day I was I was wearing I, I got when my daughter was born we had like a baby shower and somebody bought me like a little dad care package and he happened to work at 3M so he just I'm convinced he just took a basket and went into their warehouse and just started grabbing stuff nice but like they have like they there was safety goggles there was a sanding sponge uh like a like an N95 mask post-it notes like they were, like it was everything i was like how do you guys make this much random stuff at 3m yeah that's it's impressive uh so 3m according to forbes 3m is the fourth largest minnesota-based company uh they come in at number 95 on the forbes 500 list well wow. uh with a Posting revenue of thirty-two billion dollars. Yeah, so more than three million. If we want to be accurate, it's thirty-two point seven seven. Okay, but well, uh, thank you for clarifying a, that. That's a pretty small seven hundred and seventy million dollars <laughs> to forget about. The <laughs> discrepancy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Best Buy, which I it's, don't think I knew what? Best Buy was Minnesota. I had no clue. Based, yeah, based down in Richfield, South really? Metro. So score uh, Best Buy is seventy-four on the uh, Forbes five hundred. Target is number 39 because Target's awesome. Uh, and then United Health Group is number six. Ah. $226 billion. Shout out to United. Yeah. Gotta love you some Minnesota-based healthcare talk you know, to well, start off our episode. Especially here, when we're thinking about, you know, revenue at the highest level. Let's talk about Bible college. Because, because uh, Bible colleges bring in revenue at the highest uh, yeah, Absolutely. Level. Absolutely. <laughs> multi-billion dollars. Uh, Kyle, quick question of the day today. What was your favorite year of Bible college? You went for four years, yes? I went for th- technically three and a half. Okay. Uh, Minnesota is one of several states in this glorious country 
that uh, gives students the opportunity to do PSEO, uh, some post-secondary enrollment option. And so I came into college with about a semester's worth of credits. Um, I would say my favorite year of Bible college, probably my sophomore year. Um, my sophomore year, so my, my junior year, I don't want to say because both semesters, my junior year, I had 18 credits. Ouch. And so it was a hefty workload. Mm -hmm. I did it on purpose so that my last semester, you know, what would have essentially been the first semester senior year, uh, all I had was my senior project and my internship. And so I could dive more in my internship, which turned out to be my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that worked out pretty well. But um, I I really enjoyed my sophomore year. Uh, I was in a position of leadership on our floor. Uh, our floor, the second semester, we like played Survivor, mm-hmm. uh, which I think I've talked about on the podcast before. But uh, we had a guy on our floor that organized the whole thing, challenges every week, hidden immunity idol on the floor. It was pretty awesome. So... Uh, enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, I think I'd say my, my sophomore year. What about you? Uh, I would also say my sophomore year. Uh, that was my first year at Bible college to be clear. Cause I was at NDSU my freshman year. A heathen school. Yep. Uh, beer cans in the shower <laughs> on Saturday. I will legitimately of woke course. up at 9am, went to take a shower. Cause in the dorm I was in, they had just like, you know, c- corporate showers. You didn't have one in your room. And opened the first stall, and there was a pyramid of beer cans uh, from... Yeah, it's interesting, because we also had a pyramid of cans on our floor. Oh, Mountain Dew? It was pretty much just Mountain Dew yeah. and Dr. Pepper. <laughs> College is just universally the same, which is whether or not there's alcohol uh, prevalent or should be. Uh, and so, yep, that was definitely a thing. But my sophomore year was a good one. That was the year I met my wife, uh, which was pretty awesome. Uh, obviously, that's a year that... I roomed with my roommates were my two best friends, and that was an absolute blast. Uh, it was just, it was so much fun. I mean, I would if I could like relive a year of my life, that'd probably be one of the top five that I'd want to go back and relive because it was such a fun time. And uh, dude, I just love Bible College. I, I I enjoyed my time at NDSU, but Bible College was a blast. And uh, you know, Kyle, we started this this podcast that is eighty some episodes deep right now. Uh, we started this thing years ago with uh, our very first ever episode was what Bible college did not teach us. And we kind of just jumped into like funny, but like real things of like the things that we just didn't learn at Bible college that we had to learn on the job uh, and kind of had some fun with it too. And uh, I would rightfully say a lot of times we've kind of ragged on Bible college because it's, it's expensive and uh, you know, it, while you don't need a degree to be a pastor, it does help uh, all those different things. And so we kind of ragged on it a little bit, but I think today we're going to write the ship a little bit and uh, kind of talk about why Bible college is actually awesome and a great option. Yeah. So we are going to uh, kind of kick off a series today. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not really a title necessarily to the series, uh, but the theme is essentially going to be targeted at students uh, who are like, okay, I want to do blank. Yep. Now what? Uh, you know, I want to I want to go into the secular workforce. Mm-hmm. Now what? Like, how do I how do I go about that as a Christian? I want to be a missionary. Uh, now what, <laughs> like, how do, how do I pursue that? But today what we want to do is we want to start this series by, by answering the question, like, I want to go into ministry. Mm-hmm. Now what? 
Uh, if if you feel like ministry is something that that you are uh, interested in pursuing, uh, but you don't know really how to go about doing that, uh, that's what this episode is for. And so we are going to uh, we're going to kind of dive into some different options, some that we would recommend. Uh, I'm sure we could come up with some ways that they shouldn't go about it. Uh, that's yeah. always that's always more fun to talk about. But uh, I, I want to start off by by saying that if you uh, if you are growing up within the church, uh, the call into ministry, like God calling you into ministry, is something that is often pushed and emphasized very, very strong mm-hmm. at uh, large conferences, camps, stuff like that. Uh, and I have an extreme, extreme caution sure. with this, not because I don't want people to go into ministry, uh, because at some point, you know, if nobody goes into ministry, everybody that's in ministry is going to get old and die and... You well, won't, you won't have anybody to take their place, and that's a problem. And right now, statistically, across America anyway, there are more vacancies than there are pastors. Like, like they're like we're upside down in terms of there are more and more churches that need people to lead, and less and less people willing to lead them. So, yeah, and I believe I we could have like done some of this research before yeah, the episode. One but would think I do know that the average age of a lead pastor continues to rise. Uh, you know, it's, it's not in theory in a healthy environment, that number should basically just stay the same, right? You have, you know, senior pastors that are retiring Mm -hmm. and you have younger senior pastors that are stepping into it. Uh, and, and the average, whatever that number should be, uh, kind of, kind of evens out. And that has not been the case. It's continued to get older, uh, which from a long-term sustainability standpoint is not good. Correct. Uh, but one of the, one of the things that I think, well, there's two really big issues that I have mm-hmm. with the idea of like, Hey, we are going to really encourage and press into, you know, God calling people into, into ministry. Uh, one problem is that I think that it pushes kids into ministry that are not called there. Mm-hmm. Uh, ministry is not like any other job. It is, it sucks. Let's just be real. Ministry sucks sometimes, and, and there are seasons, there are days where it is absolutely draining, mm. and if you are not called to be where you are, you're not going to make it, and, and and I think that that is, it sounds really discouraging, but it's true. Like, ministry is something, the, the spiritual warfare is too great to walk into battle ill-equipped. Right. And and so if you are if you are not like if God has not placed a burning passion in your life and and you are like yes, I know I'm called to be here. Mm-hmm. I know I'm called to do this. If that's not you, then that's a problem. And I think that when when denominations, when churches, when speakers place a very very high priority on like people that are called to missions, people that are called to ministry, uh it it's going to create people that pursue it that are not called to it. And that, to me, that is where that's the tipping point is when it's, it feels like there's higher, a hierarchy in terms of what you're called to do because yeah. like, full disclosure, I mean, I got, 
I kind of felt this call to ministry at a conference when they, when they gave that. Grant, I had heard that many, many years prior to that point, and I never kind of felt that. But it, sometimes it kind of felt like, hey, you know, you can be a great doctor. You, you know, you, you can be a great person in the business world. That like, We'd love to pray for you. But if you want to be called to missions, if you want to, you know, be called to ministry, come on up here. We'd love to place hands on you. We'd love to. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's where it's kind of like you kind of feel that I'm special when, when you're called into ministry, um, you know, and everyone is is very, very special. But I, I think to me, uh, that call into ministry, Kyle, you kind of alluded to it. It just, it's often misunderstood. You know, yeah. people who aren't in ministry, they look at your job and I and they go, what do those guys do during the year, during the day? And we've, we've joked Nothing. about that so much, you know, and to, to the naked eye, this job looks easy. It looks laid back. Uh, they see, man, those guys, they get to make a difference. They get to do cool things and, and all that different stuff. And they see all the goodness, but they don't always see the difficulty that comes with it. And, um, you know, so to me, I think it just kind of glorifies this calling and, uh, I'm not saying that you need to doubt your calling, that if you kind of feel like maybe I'm called an administrator, I'm not saying you back away from that. But a question I'd ask myself a lot, a question I implore people, if you're in this season, you're going, I feel like I'm called into ministry. A question I would ask is like, who told you that you're called into it? Like who, who, who's, was the voice that said, Hey, I think you're called into ministry, you know? Cause if it's from a mentor and a spiritual advisor, and, and that's something you should take seriously. But if it's from just some random person and you, you, they said, hey, I think you're called into ministry, but you sit there and you go, I don't know if I am or I don't want to be. You don't have to take that person's word at, at law. So we weren't planning on talking about this, but I think it's important to dive into. Like, how do I know that I am called into yeah, ministry? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, which, by the way, let me back up real quick. I mentioned that I had two extreme cautions with, you gave one. with this and I only gave one. <laughs> uh, you know, caution number one, it pushes kids into ministry that aren't called there. Mm-hmm. Caution number two is that it pushes kids into ministry that are called there, but they're not ready yet. Uh, you know, the, the pressure for students to have their entire life mapped out by the mm-hmm. time they're 18 uh, is, is great. And that's true whether you're going into ministry or the workforce or whatever. Right. Uh, every option you feel like you have to have it all figured out by the time you're 18, and that's just not true. No. Um, but I I do think that it's important to kind of dive into this and sit here a little bit. Like, how do I know that I am called to ministry? Um, I don't think like your experience. You were you know at a camp, mm-hmm. you know, and and felt called into ministry. You know, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I the emotional high of a camp. Uh, is a dangerous place For sure. to hear that and then put all of your eggs in that basket. Mm-hmm. And so w- no matter where you were, you know, you first felt called to ministry, I think that having time to sit in that before you openly, publicly declare, I'm called to ministry. Make decisions. Uh, all those sit things. in that yep. and and pursue that and just in your relationship with God. Ask him for confirmation yep. of that. Uh, if you are being called into ministry, you probably have some people, ad- adults in your life that could confirm that. Yeah. Like go ask your youth pastor, go ask your parents or, or a youth leader or somebody, a mentor that, that can like, Hey, 
I feel like I might be called into ministry. What do you think of that? Mm -hmm. And they might be able to see some traits in you. They're not going to look at you and see a polished youth pastor. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you're not. Neither are we. Uh, We've been doing this for a while. But having that confirmation, I think, is really, really important for people that just say, and and from the right people. Absolutely. Your parents are great. But if you're like, hey, I feel like I'm called to be a worship leader, and your mom is like, oh, well, that that's so great because you're the best singer ever, and that's a spot-on impression mm-hmm. of everybody's wow. mom, well apparently. Uh, you're such a great singer, and I think you'll be great, and you're going to sing to thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, that's great, but... It also how goes much, the other direction. How though. much does your mom think, or how much does your mom know about leading worship? And you're right, it does go the other direction. Because there's also people I know of where it's like they felt called into ministry. It was clear as day. You hindsight's 2020. We now see the full picture. They're incredible pastors, but mom, dad, uncle, someone close to them said, There's no money in that. You know, you should like that. It's usually a dad thing where well, they're like, ah, can you make a strong living doing that? Right. <laughs> right. And, but like for some people, that's like a legitimate deterrent yeah. of where it's like, they kind of feel this strong push. They feel this calling, but the logistics of it don't always compute with people. So yeah, I like how you said people, like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like you need, can't put my youth pastor said it. So I'm in it or my mom said it. So I'm in it or my dad said I shouldn't do it. So I'm not going to do it. Like you need to have a well-rounded like for me, I felt called at camp, but then a month later, I went to my youth pastor. He said, I've been waiting to have this conversation for years. He goes, I've seen it in you for wow. years, but like, I want you to find it before I told you about it. And like that happened 11 years ago. And I still remember to this day because of how impactful it was, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I actually do think that that is a cool, uh, you know, general rule for youth pastors as well. Yeah. Cause you're going to have plenty of kids, hopefully that, that are coming through your youth ministry that you could identify. Like, I, I think that kid, I think that kid could, mm-hmm. uh, but you cannot just because a kid could, doesn't mean that that's how God wants to use them. Yeah. There are traits that are great for being a youth pastor that are also great for some other jobs. For sure. And so I think that that's where, you know, we have to be careful as youth pastors not to do the exact same thing on a smaller level where we are prescribing ministry on a, you know, freshman kid that still has growing to do. And it's going to mean a lot more if the youth pastor is the confirmation, but God's the one that's calling them. That's good. All right. Um, did we did we hit that? Yeah. I think we're good on there. Yep. All right. So I'm called into ministry. Now what should I do? Uh, we have uh, what I think we've used before, a foolproof... Four-step plan? Five-step plan. Uh, no, it, it's four-step, but the fifth one is free if you, if you listen. Oh, now. that's right. Yeah. I am so sorry. Okay. It's uh, <laughs> four steps, but if you buy now, we will give you a fifth step for, for free. free. Yeah. Yep. Um, that is, man, what's, uh, what was the name of that guy that did all those infomercials? I think he passed away. I want to say Billy Mays, but that's Billy Mays. Is it Billy Mays? I think it is. Yeah. It's always confused with Willie Mays. (laughs) Right. Two very different people. Uh, whoa. Oh my word. Yeah. Uh, good friend of the show, Billy Mays. 
great friend of the show. What, what uh, was his what was his claim to fame? He had he had one that was like was it Sham Wow? I can't remember. I'll look uh, it up. Yeah, I'll look it up while Sham you jump well. into it. Um he did like uh Arm and Hammer. Uh I know he did that one. Uh here's here's a 35 minute YouTube video, the very best of Billy Mays. Wow. Guess what, listeners? Derek and I are going to be doing after we're done recording. Watching 35 minutes of Billy Mays. What was the whole thing about pastors don't do anything? Yeah, right. <laughs> Passed away back in 2009. Wow. OxyClean. That's what I was uh, thinking yep, of. OxyClean. There it is. Yep. Classic. Well Anyways, we should really get back to the uh, episode we are recording. Uh, <laughs> all right. Five-step foolproof plan. Um, if you follow it to the T, four steps plus a free one, you will be a phenomenal Pastor. minister. Yeah. Uh, in some capacity. Step one, grow now. Grow now. Uh, if you feel called into ministry, I, I, the first thing that we would recommend that you do is find somebody, preferably in the field that you want to get. Now, you might be like, I feel called into ministry, but I don't really know what that looks like. Yep. That was me initially. Sure. I, I knew that that God was calling me to to work in the church in some capacity, didn't know exactly right away what that looked like. It was uh, probably two years later that, that it was like, no, youth ministry is is where I'm at. Um, so be patient through this process. But find somebody in ministry further along the path that you want to be on and learn as much from them as possible. Uh, you know, preferably in the field that you want to be in, like seek them out. Yep pursue them and be excited for tough conversations. Totally. And like that that was kind of my big thing is like you need to you as the person who is pursuing that you need to make the effort and make it easy on them to make sure that you can study underneath them. Like okay, this person lives in a town away from you, don't ask them to come to you to meet. You go to them mm-hmm. and you ask them, "Hey, like What's best for you? Do you want me to come to your office? Do you want to go out for lunch? Like, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Like, you have to go to them and work around their schedule. Yep. Like, you, you there's, I am a firm believer when you're trying to learn from somebody, you got to strip every single ounce of entitlement right off of you and simply go, I am here to not necessarily serve you, but to study underneath you. And I'm going to take no effort out of your schedule, out of your day to do so. Um, you know, because like some of the things that I've realized the most is how much I observed just them operating and ministering in their element. Like uh, I, I alluded to my youth pastor. He was my mentor. He was the one I sat underneath when I went into ministry. And he was the one that like really kind of was the foundation for me. And when I look at my life now, you know, I realize I had this conversation with my youth pastor the on my staff, Riley. He's been on this podcast before yesterday. Um, And I told him, I didn't realize how much things I subconsciously do just because I observed my youth pastor Mm. doing them. You know, he never once sat down and said, here's what I do and why I do it. Boom, 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 boom. I just saw it with my eyes and realized, man, that's really great. I like how that goes. I like how that's effective. And just subconsciously, I started adopting those Mm. things in my personal life. And now they've grown, they've matured, and now they're a part of my ministry too. So, um you will catch so much more by watching than you will by sitting down just listening. So get in their context, observe, 
watch and just kind of grow and learn from them by watching them. I'm thinking about like if if I had somebody that came to me and was like, hey, I want to, I feel called into ministry. Mm-hmm. And I look at them, I'm like, yeah, I think, I think that's legit. And and then they're like, can I shadow you mm-hmm. for like a week? I don't know why they're not in school in this fictional scenario, but maybe it's summer. I don't know. Uh, I'm lit. Like what is running through my mind right now is that would probably be really boring for them. Sure. Because like the amount of time I spend like reading the Bible, reading biblical commentaries, yep. like different things like that. I'm like, like I write a paper every week yep. and then present it. Yep. Like that'd be so like, there are some aspects of it where I'm like, man, that'd be really boring for you. However, I also that like, those are some of the things that I do think are going to be really valuable for somebody to pick up on and learn. Uh, you know, seeing the study habits behind the scenes of somebody where, where you can look at it and say, Oh wow. Like, they don't just get up on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning and start talking. Mm-hmm. Like there is a lot of time that goes into this. Uh, you know, I don't know what the magic number is. Uh, I like to, I don't even, I probably don't even do this, but I would say I would love it if I could spend eight to 10 hours in prep time mm-hmm. on, you know, on a sermon yep. uh, at, at the least like that's, that's a lot of, Mm-hmm. boring time for somebody to be looking at you. It's right. also self-conscious because like stop staring. Right. But those are the kind of things like those are, those are the things that you'll pick up on when you just like sit and watch somebody. If I say, yeah, I spent about eight hours prepping a sermon. It's hard to get a, in context what that actually looks like. But if you actually were to sit down and mm-hmm. watch somebody do that, I think that you'd learn a lot. To me, it also reveals the spiritual vitality of the leader as well. Yeah. You know, and that that's the thing that um, I found I learned the most was just how my youth pastor, yeah, he ministered, but like his walk with the Lord was intimate. It was strong. It mm-hmm. was it was always growing. Um, I saw it in the way he prayed. I saw it in the way he carved out time during the day to, to seek the Lord, to study, not for his sermon, but just for himself. Um, you know, and I had so much respect for that. And so you can really kind of see the leader on full display when you just observe them. And, um, yeah, it's just finding good leaders is, is probably the greatest way you could grow right now, you know? And, uh, on top of that too, like this isn't even in our notes, but I'm, I had this too. start reading, you know, there are some great books, some great pastors of, of things that you can do. Um, you know, y- you can't jump into ministry and now go, now I'm going to start having patterns and character things in my life. You need to start those habits now. Like if you are, if you're going to go into ministry, you need to have the habit of daily prayer, daily communion with God, daily devotions, uh, knowing how to ask for help, knowing how to give help. Those are all core things that are going to be tested when you jump into ministry. Yeah. And so start developing those things now. Like, I'll tell you one thing, students, if you're sitting here going, I don't have a whole lot of time to read my Bible. I got practice. I got, you know, I got, I got youth group. Like I don't have time to read my Bible. It doesn't get any easier, you know? So you got to start those habits now, start growing in those things now so that when you do step into ministry, you have time. Yeah. I would, uh, 
go back and listen to episode 66 of our podcast. That was the one where we talked about uh, just, hey, here's a whole bunch of books mm-hmm. that we would recommend. Uh, reach out to us on Instagram or, or email, um, and, and you can... I should probably how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com or how not underscore YP on Instagram. Uh, we've got so many different books that we could recommend yeah. to people um, for a lot of different things. And, and plenty of them have a lot to do with youth ministry or, or ministry in general. So yeah, I uh, would definitely. So step one, grow, like find ways to grow, consume content uh, and, and just spend time learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, step two, grow more. <laughs> Um, grow now and grow grow now and then grow more. Um, I think that it's important to, uh, once you get into a position where, okay, like I, I, you know, graduated high school and, and I can put more of my time and effort into this next step. There's two major ways, uh, that you could do this. One of them would be Bible college. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that, like, there's there's plenty of colleges around the country across plenty of different denominations that I think would probably do a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the, uh, there, there's been a couple big things that, you know, the longer I do this, there there's a couple things that I continue to look back and point at as, these are the things that Bible college did for me mm-hmm. that make it something that I would recommend. Yeah. Uh, one of them being the amount of time we spent studying the Bible wow. at Bible college. Mm-hmm. Like we had whole classes dedicated to like one or two books of the Bible. I, I was in a class uh, called Romans and Galatians. Yep. Do you want to know what we studied for an entire semester? Romans and Galatians. It's a fine tooth comb and a magnifying glass. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to dive too deep into that class because that was the class where our professor showed videos of circumcisions, um, which felt a little unnecessary. But. Um, Are you in that class with my wife? Because I feel like. Uh, well, so I had another class. That was my junior year. My freshman year, I had another class called like New Testament. Yeah. With the same professor where he drew a diagram of circumcision on the board. <laughs> I don't know what his deal was, but uh, I needed to stop taking New Testament related classes with this guy, yeah. apparently. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't remember uh, if she she might have been in, in Romans and Galatians mm-hmm. with me. Pretty sure she um, was. That was the class. Real quick. This wouldn't be our podcast without a tangent. Uh, pro tip for all college <laughs> students out there. Um, so this is actually, so this, that listen, this, I, I just got it. Anyways, uh, first anybody that is going into college. All right. This is a pro recommendation that I would make for anybody Wait to buy your textbook yes. for your class yes. until one of two things happens. One, you have somebody that you know well that already took the class that can say, yep, you actually need that book. Or two, ha- spend the first two days in class. Like you always, that first day is the most boring day where you go through your syllabus, but you'll find out pretty quick. 
through the syllabus. Like, oh, this is just a recommended reading book versus no, we actually really need this book. So yeah. wait to purchase your textbooks for class until you actually know whether or not you need them. Yes. Uh, but also what I did for this particular class, I didn't think that I needed the textbook, so I didn't buy it. And then it turned out we were going to have a test where not only did we need this textbook, but it was open book. And this was this professor's, you know, opinion that Mm. life is open book. Sure. And so the questions are going to be a little bit harder, Mm -hmm. but you can use the book if you need it. And and I like the rationale behind that, you know, with today's day and age and and technology, mm-hmm. like life literally is open book. Uh, what he did not take into account, so I didn't have the book, so that was a problem. And so I had a light bulb moment, raised, actually I didn't raise my hand because I didn't want anybody else to catch on to this line of mm-hmm. thought. I went up to him after class one day and I was like, hey, I have the ebook like, can I still use that on the test? Is that okay? Uh, and he thought for a moment, he was like, it, it was like, what is it on? I was like, it's on my computer. Uh, he was like, okay. Uh, like I will, I'll pro- like, if you make sure you download it mm-hmm. and then like, you know, t- we'll turn your computer on airplane mode mm-hmm. or, you know, turn the Wi-Fi off and, and, you know, I like, I don't want you to just have open access to the internet, right. but we can find a way that, you know, we'll make it work. Uh, and I was like, Cool. Sounds good. I did not yet own the ebook, <laughs> but I went out and bought it then because do you want to know what an ebook can do? It's got a Command search, F. search mm-hmm. fun function. Oh, like this question pertains to this phrase in the book. I'm going to search and find the phrase. Yeah. I was the first one done. I it was awesome. It. Well done. Uh, aced that test. Uh, my friend and I actually, I, I did tell, I, I think we were sitting next to each other. And so we like mm-hmm. kind of schemed we were both going to do this. Uh, but uh, yeah, it worked out really well. So uh, if your professor allows it, highly recommend uh, well done. loopholes. Well you done. Can find them. Anyways, back to uh, Bible college. Pro, uh, so you just to recap, bring us back. Yep, pros of Bible college that you like things that you pulled out. Yeah, so were, were, uh, the amount of time we spent studying the Bible. Yeah, I can't believe we got <laughs> that far off course. I um, can. Yeah, no, I should see that coming. The amount of time we spent studying the Bible was awesome. Um, the amount of time we spent like just talking with other Christians, honestly, like it yeah. sharpens you. Mm-hmm. Um, there were leadership things that we had studied and talked about in Bible college, uh, especially like if it's got a ministry track uh, that I think were really, really valuable. Uh, You know, the, some of the things that we, like I had two pastoral, it it was called pastoral theology one and two. Like you took those classes Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, It was the, the, I think it was pastoral theology two was, it got kind of funny because there was a unit where it was like, here's how you baptize someone. And mm-hmm. we like went to a church with a baptismal and like dunked each other. Right. Uh, you know, like we did a tour of a funeral home, like here's how you do funerals. And so there was like a practicality to the job uh, that, that we talked about. Some of those, it was just kind of funny. What I loved about that class though, because I think we had the same professor, might've been in the same that class. We might've been, yeah. He started each class period with a, yep, he here's did. a scenario. 
what would, would you, you do? do? Yeah. And I like, remember that. it was so, and the funny thing is there are things he legitimately like experienced or had a close friend experience. Yeah. So afterwards, all of a sudden then he goes, this is what we did. You know, yeah. and here's how it turned out, but it was so cool. And they weren't like, what would you do if someone came to you and said this? Like, it was like things like, what do you do when you're in the middle of your message and someone storms into the sanctuary and starts yelling at you? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so, and then, and then, like, we broke off, and everyone shared. So, like, that was that was super cool because it's like those are the things. There's like that would never happen. And then you get into ministry, and it's like, oh, that happens. Yeah. What would, what I would do? you? This has not happened to me, but what what would you do? They were they were questions like, what would you do if uh, you know you got a a text or or somebody walks into your office one day, one of your congregant members confesses their love for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, like uh-huh. stuff like that, where you're like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Run! <Yeah. laughs> Gra- grab the shield and the sword. <laughs> Step one: immediately get somewhere where a security camera can see you. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. That you know, different things like that. That was I do remember that now that you say that, and it was super valuable. And yeah. we, we talked about uh, you know different leadership things within within ministry context or just in life. Like, how do you? How do you lead volunteers? Mm-hmm. You know, we we talked about that. We studied that. How do you grow them? How do you pour into them? Uh, and so that that was another thing that I think was super super valuable. The third one that I can think of is just cheating. Uh, but like our Bible college had an opportunity for both of us went over to Israel yep. and and studied there for a few weeks. Yep. Uh, and that was absolutely incredible. It was much cheaper. The whole experience was much cheaper than it would have been if we just did it on our own. Yep. Um, that does not stop me from desperately wanting to go back. But uh, I wonder if we could got to find some money in the church budget somewhere. You know what? If Post-Its and 3M picks up our sponsorship, yeah, we could do it. We could do a podcast episode live from, from Israel. Israel. Now, I'm not sure that now is uh, the time no. to go over there. Let's not. Uh, but at some point, hopefully, uh, we'll we'll put together. This yeah. is never happening. But uh, <laughs> an episode live from Israel, man, that'd be awesome. Uh, anyways, other, other pros yep. to, to Bible college. What do we got? What were some of the things that you took away? Well, from I, I loved just the well-roundedness of the professors and the experiences we had, you know, cause the professors were either previous pastors, former pastors, retired pastors, people who are pastors for a while, but then went back and got a degree and are teaching. Now you had, you had people from churches of 50 and 5,000, you know, rural church, urban church and everything in between. And so I just love that they all kind of had a well-rounded experience that you kind of walked out going, I don't know what kind of church I'll be in, even what denomination perhaps, but like, I feel equipped that to me, that was a big takeaway. Um, you know, just, just to go through four years of education just forces you to slow down. You know, I know way too many people who jump into ministry so quick because they're called, they're ready, they're, you know, and they jump in and they go, they go too fast, you know, and they burn out. And so just going to college kind of forces you to slow down. And, uh, the two, I think to me that stand out the most, um, just the depth of uh, connections you have when you come out of, you know, Bible college. Like I, we have people that we went to college with Kyle that, that are in Arizona, that are in Texas, that are on the East coast, that are on the West coast. They're all over the place, you know. We have professors that, you know, we could call up to this day and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, 
I know so-and-so has connections, you know, with that country or we want to get a mission team over there. Maybe I can give them a call. Like there, when you go to a small Bible college, like we went to, yes, they're your professors. Yes. You know, they are your teachers for a season, but at the end of it, when you graduate, you're now allies, you know, and, and you have that walking out of, of college, which is infinitely valuable. I, I have tapped that well more times than I ever thought I would. Uh, and that's awesome. But the thing I think I've missed the most is what you have on at least the Bible college we went to is areas for your soul to prosper and your faith to grow personally. Chat had chapel every day for an hour, 10 to 11, incredible worship, world-class speakers, time for you to respond. Like my faith grew while going to Bible college. And that was, that was awesome. So, um, so many pros, uh, that, that, you know, I would, I would go to, but, um, we understand that, you know, there's, there's other options to grow more. And so I think it's also valuable to go, what are some of the things that can deter people from Bible college? And, and one of those on that list is you just have a lot of debt. Like it's, if you go mm-hmm. to a private Bible college, it's more expensive than a public, you know, state school. And so that can be a deterrent for some people. Some people just struggle in a classroom context and that can be a problem. Um, but the last one I would say is just a Christian bubble and I'll let you kind of, well, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, the classroom context really is not everybody's thing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and this is not directly related to this, but, and I don't know if we've had this conversation yet, but I found out that the U version Bible app has a dyslexic font. Really? That, I had no clue. That's like, pretty cool. I know several people with dyslexia that have actually said like this legitimately makes the Bible like, like the, I, it's easier to read when wow. text is in this font versus when it, you know, it's in a different font. That's so sweet. Uh, if you have dyslexia or, or have problems reading, I would highly encourage you to give the, uh, I mean, if you just Google like you version dyslexic font, yeah, uh, it'll pop up and show you how to switch your app to it. But, um, you know, small tips for, for people who, you know, a classroom is not their thing. Um, and there are other ways that, you know, we'll kind of get into when we're talking about growing more, Mm -hmm. there are other ways to get to, to grow, uh, outside of a classroom context. Um, but I do think, you know, college equals debt for most people. Mm Um, you know, I don't think that it is like a waste of money, but it is a, you know, something to keep in mind. Um, and the Christian bubble is definitely a thing. We just had a sermon, uh, last week where I talked about, you know, if, if you have friends who are not Christians, I was talking to our youth students, if you have friends that are not Christians, uh, like really highly encourage you to be spending time in prayer for them. If you don't have any friends who are not Christians, you need new friends. Uh, <laughs> like you should, and and that can be a problem sometimes when you work at a church mm-hmm. is that all of your friends are Christians. Uh, and so having outlets where you can do that and, and going to Bible college, you've got to just be a little bit more intentional mm-hmm. about that. Um, but one of the other options you have for, uh, like growing more if, would if Bible college isn't your thing. If Bible college isn't you your can't thing, do it. there are some other like, you know, education options that are a little less, you know, rigidly structured. Uh, 
there are a lot of churches around the a lot of churches around the countries that have leadership schools, uh, which will typically be like a one to two year uh, thing where you are learning about leadership, you are learning about ministry, you are le- like it is kind of like their uh, you know a big big church will do it and yep. they'll have like hey this is essentially like our on ramp mm-hmm. you know if you want to a lot of times if for if you want to go into ministry in some capacity. Uh, that can be a really good option. Uh, you'll see some other, uh, you know, like one of the phrases that people might recognize would be master's commissions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, different like one to two year programs uh, that that can get people interested, uh, who are interested in ministry, a little bit more context, a little bit more education. Um, you could go uh, into even like, I'm going to find somebody who's doing it and actually do like an official internship mentorship thing with them where I'm going to like, this is like a multi-year thing where I am learning from them and growing from them. Uh, You know, it it can be as informal as that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think our point is, you know, for students, for high school students, after they graduate high school, you have an opportunity if you are called into ministry to dive headfirst into it. And Derek mentioned this earlier, and I thought it was a great point. It's worth mentioning again. No matter what avenue you take, this entire process requires humility from you. Mm-hmm. It requires you taking off any crown you think you have, any skills you think you have, setting them aside and saying, I'm just going to learn. Yep. I'm just going to grow. And it's not about me getting a position. It's not about me showcasing my talents. I am just going to sit in humility and grow. So good. Cause it's, I feel like more and more culture kind of pushes that down, you know, and you need to be humble. You need to, if you want to be in this thing for the long run, you got to take off that humility. And as someone who has witnesses firsthand, when you have that humble, teachable spirit, you obtain so much more things you didn't even realize you'd need or want. It's infinitely valuable. Yeah. So, uh, so step one, grow now. Yep. Step two, grow more. Yep. Uh, I am going to make the call that uh, this is going to be our free step. Okay. Step two point five. Yep. If you will. Yep. Um, grow now, grow small, get serving. Um, you know, I think a lot of times, and and Derek, you put the kind of this line in here, uh, but people falling into the trap of like while I'm learning. I'm not going to serve. Yeah. Like this is the season for learning. It's not the season for serving. Uh, and yeah, I'm just going to focus on that. Uh, and, and I think that we would say that that's a mistake. You know, while you are in the grow more phase, you know, pour out somewhere. Yeah. Now, again, this is done with the utmost of humility. Yep. If you are like, I feel like I'm called to youth ministry, go find a tiny church with four middle school boys. And pour into them. Like, if you are like, hey, I I feel like I'm called to... Now, this can be a a season to stretch yourself a little bit, too. If you feel like you're called into, you know, I'm called to be a worship leader. Mm -hmm. Go find a church and volunteer every single week in their tech booth. Sure. Because that is very, very important stuff for you to know. I like that. Uh, And a lot of students are like, I'm really good at getting up in front of people. But when something goes wrong in the tech booth, I don't know how to help. Yeah. Learn that stuff. Uh, find a way to to serve uh, 
and even in a context that you're not used to would, would be another one that I think would be cool. Because the temptation is one of two things, in my opinion. One, which is, again, you already mentioned it. I, I got all my life to work in a church. I'm just going to take this season, be with my friends, hang out at college. And I, I understand that rationale. But, like, this is an extreme case. But when you're engaged to be married, you're not like, I got the rest of my life to be married. I'm going to go flirt around, mess around. Like, like no. Like, you're yeah. you're getting prepared to be married. You know, it's the same way when you're going to Bible college or you're going to a master commission or you're doing, you are getting ready to be in ministry. So what should you be doing right now? Hmm, let's get into ministry. You're like, let's, yeah, let's do, do something. It. You know, and, but, like, that's the temptation number one. The temptation number two is, like, I'm going to be a minister, so I should be ministering, not cleaning up the coffee shop, not stacking chairs yeah. for the youth pastor, not cleaning the toilets when he's busy or she's busy. Like you will appreciate people who serve underneath of you when you know how to serve well, when you know the the, the task it takes, the effort it takes to serve a ministry, you will be so much more sensitive and so much more appreciative of people who serve underneath of you when you're leading. And so I think it's so valuable that you take the time to serve and do the things that, that people don't want to do. So yeah, go to your, go to your minister or your ministry, go to your youth pastor and say, Hey, what what can what can I do that you don't want to do that would bless you? Like I can go pick up supplies for the event. I can, you know, go get the room ready for you. I can restack the chairs. I can put the slides and pro presenter. Give me the things that you don't want to do so that I can serve you. Yep. And that will bless them so much and it will teach you so much about the ins and the outs of ministry far beyond the pulpit. Well, uh, yep, nope. I got nothing. I like when I can make you speechless. That's good. <laughs> uh, so step 2.5, get, get serving. serving. Step three, uh, grow. So we're back to our grow track. We're back to grow. Grow <laughs> now, grow more, and get serving. And then grow small. <laughs> um, what? Just the, the, the whole, okay, the, the Lion King, they had Lion King one, two, three, and then they had Lion King. Lion one. King one and a half, yeah. which was the best <laughs> of all of them. That movie was so good. It just reminded me of like, it's, it's so pastoral leadership, grow, grow, grow the alliteration, but oh, yeah. they were going to stick in there. Get serving. Get serving. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, step 3.1849 is yeah. grow, grow small, <laughs> grow small. Uh, I, I think that people who like, Hey, I want to go into ministry should walk into that calling with the excited expectation that they are going to start somewhere that nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of aspiring ministers want to immediately jump into, you know, the church with four campuses and the minute the youth ministry with 300 students, uh, and they are like expecting that they're going to be the sole youth pastor in that situation, yep. or, you know, they're going to be the, the single worship leader at the church of 1200 people. Probably not. I'm not going to say never, but probably not. And need I remind you that in the process of changing the world, Jesus started with 12. David started with sheep. Literal sheep. (laughs) Literal sheep. 
Like your first ministry position, you might be part-time. You might not get paid at all. But I think that people need to quit like viewing their destiny ministry position as the first one. As a starter. Yeah. I had I had a friend once who uh they they wanted to buy a house. And their vision of buying a house was like, I'm gonna buy a house, and the first house I buy, I am going to be in for the next fifty years. And one of the things that I think people learn pretty quickly is that I can't afford the house that I want 30 years from now. Uh You know, I've got to purchase the house that I can afford. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe five, 10 years down the road, we sell that house and move into something a little bit bigger. Family gets bigger. You know, we've got more dogs that we need to train to kill animals. Uh, We need need a bigger property. No, (laughs) at some point. Well, you've got that like no man's land like behind my house behind your house yeah, where you're nice. like yeah that's that's perfect uh-huh. <laughs> um but that's where like okay let's let's trade up now i don't want people to hear this analogy and think that ministry is about trading up to you know bigger church equals better position totally my point in this is that the ministry position that you see as glamorous, I think that sometimes God purposely calls you somewhere else out of spite to like humble you and say like, no, you, you do, you're not going to jump right out the gate preaching to thousands Yeah, because you need to learn to preach to 10. Yeah. And I think to me, it's God is so much more concerned with your character than he is about your ministry success. You know, like obviously we're, we're dealing with eternity. We're dealing with souls here, but you can be in a church of a thousand and your soul be rotting to death Yeah, because you're drunk on the pride. You're drunk on, on, on the, your own righteousness, your own success, your own gifts. And that's, what's crazy to me is God loves us too much to let our character fall to the wayside. And he knows that if he puts you in this context, your character is going to be tested beyond like beyond repair. And and to me I think that is that is what's so hard. And can, do can we just talk about for a second since when since when is it is your eternal impact determined on your attendance? Like I am so yeah. sick of that narrative. Like I am so sick of the idea that like I want to be in a church of 300 because I want to have influence. Who was Billy Graham's pastor? I have no clue. <laughs> Why? Because like, he's not a big name, but who is a huge name? Billy Graham. What happens if Billy Graham's pastor didn't take the time to invest into Billy Graham? Billy Graham came from a f- tiny town in North Carolina. Church that I, no clue. No clue what church he went to. I didn't even know he came from North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, I went to his house. That's the only reason I know, but like. Creepy. Yeah. Well, well he's got, it's a whole, it's a whole it's, thing. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> but like. Like, that's my point is like so many people want to have influence and they think that the only way you can have influence is if you have a huge ministry. And that's so backwards. Like, you need to have influence where you're called. We're going to get to this in just a second here. But like, I just want to just get this out of your head, youth pastor, student, aspiring pastor. The size of your church does not determine your influence. Mm -hmm. The size of your ministry does not dictate how much impact you have in the kingdom. 
doing what you can do with what God's entrusted to you, being faithful to what he's given you, that determines your impact, not the number of people that you reach. Yeah, I've seen pastors get put into positions where they are not yet equipped to yes. do what whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. Again, the size of the church, the size of the ministry isn't relevant to what I'm saying here. Like what God, the season that that ministry is in, mm-hmm. God has called that ministry to something specific. And if the leader of that ministry is not equipped to do it, then that's a problem. Yep. Uh, really good friend of the show, John Wooden, uh, <laughs> basketball coach, legendary basketball coach at the University of UCLA, um, which I think now that I think about it, didn't actually make sense as a kid. The University of UCLA, which stands for University of California, Los Angeles. So the University yeah. of the University of... Yep. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. Anyways, uh, longtime great basketball coach John Wooden said that the ability... Ability may get you to the top, but it takes character to keep you there. Wow. And the top in our scenario is a ministry position. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the reason that grow is such a prevalent uh, theme through this episode is because your character and your prayer life and your knowledge of scripture need to be growing all the way through this point so that when your charisma, when your ability, your leadership, you know, you are in a position at a church now, your character and your biblical, your spiritual life, that is what is going to keep you in that position. And as you continue to grow, yep. you, God will equip you for the next season of that ministry. You might be uh, in a position where, okay, like I get hired at this church, we've got 10 students, but... I know that God has called me here mm-hmm. and I know God has equipped me to pour everything I have into these 10 students. And as you do that faithfully, God grows that ministry to 30 mm-hmm. and, and you start bringing on volunteers, but you've continued to grow. And so you have an ability to pour into those volunteers and train them and equip them to do youth ministry. And so now there's more of use. You know, instead of you pouring into 10, it's you and two others pouring into 30 or you and five others pouring into 30. Like that's, that's a huge win. And then as you continue to go, okay, now that group of 30 all graduates and you have equipped them to send them out. Yep. And now you're down to 15. Yep. All right. Now we're going to pour into those 15 and God does something weird. And now you've got 60. Yep. All right, I've continued to grow, so I know that I can. I know that I am equipped to the season that God has called me. And to me, that is probably the most underrated concept of that growing more is it teaches you how to grow. Yeah, it, it physically teaches you how to seek growth for yourself. Because here's the thing: cool, your ministry grew from ten to thirty, but guess what? You should be growing beyond what you were to get to that point so that when you get to the 15 and the 60, you're prepared. Yeah. And when you have the 60, you're growing for the next season God's calling you to do. Like you don't stop growing. And if you stop growing, you're going to die. Like you're going to die. And so like, it's just, that's my whole thing is like, you don't just arrive and you're just all of a sudden like, I'm everything I want it to be. Like if you did, you're in trouble. Like I'd, like we've been in ministry for seven-ish years now. You and I are still growing. As communicators, as leaders, 
as believers, as people who are studying God's word, like we didn't stop growing in 2017 when we graduated. Like we started, we we're still growing. And so it, it, it gives you the, the habits and the patterns to continue to grow. So yeah, love it. Uh, the last step, step four or five, depending on how you're counting, um, grow now, grow more and get serving, grow small. And finally plant. plant. <laughs> you're done growing now plant. Um, I would never encourage someone to accept a ministry position if they cannot seriously see themselves there for the next five years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, life happens, Mm -hmm. all right? I'm not saying everybody is always going to be in a ministry position for five years or more, but it's embarrassing how much turnover there is, you know, within ministry positions uh, I personally, when I was in middle school and high school, those seven years, we had five different youth pastors. Yep. Now it was a larger youth ministry. And so there was overlap. We had more than one at a time. Uh, but that's still a lot of turnover. National average is 18 months, 18 months before you pack up and go somewhere else or burn out of ministry entirely and, yeah. and go do something else entirely. Yep. Uh, this it truly is a marathon. Mm-hmm. You know, the when you start in ministry, uh, something that is incredibly important is like setting. You know, we talked about a couple, few episodes ago setting some boundaries. Uh, you know, within ministry, especially if you are a single youth pastor, or a single person in ministry, you kind of tend to have a little bit more time sometimes to do some of these things, but sustainability long-term is going to be, okay, how can I pace myself a little bit sometimes? Yeah. Uh, it, it It's a balance of, I know God's called me to do this and I'm going to give everything I have to it, but I also need to set systems up and, and make sure that I can pace myself so that in five years, in 10 years, I can still be in the same position doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah and I, uh, I know, know this to be personal for me you don't really start to see some significant impact, fruit, strides, whatever you want to put in there for years. Yeah. Like there was a, we were growing slowly, but surely for the first two years. So think about that. If the average turnover is 18 months, people have already been gone by the time you even had time for God to really see this, this fruit. Yeah. From two to three, there was a huge leap in our ministry, not just in attendance, but in growth and discipleship and just culture, everything took off in year three because of two years of like planting, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's a whole bunch of botany similar as we go to this. We're not going to go into it now, but like the whole point of it is like, if you truly want to see impact and growth, you need to give the proper time. These, these are people souls. Like this is not, this is not a formula where you plug this in and you get this out. I mean, this, this takes time. This takes commitment. This takes investment, all those different things. And, Kyle, the last thing that like I just I want to contribute to this episode is I was I was reading a book my senior year of college. Um, I had just gotten the call saying, "Hey, we want to bring you on to this church in St. Francis, Minnesota, tiny town, youth group of eight students." And there was a part of me growing up in a ministry that was eighty to a hundred, and they were now at two hundred. I'm sitting there going, "This is going to be a different beast. This is yep. going to be a different." There is that humbling factor of like that's small, you know, like that's eight kids, four of which are pastor's kids, literally. Yep. And so it's like, 
I, I had this check in my spirit of like, am, do I want this? You know, mm-hmm. not the spirit that was flesh, you know? And I read this quote in a book and it just said, you need to bloom where you are planted. Wherever God's planting you, you need to put the effort and the work in to bloom. Mm-hmm. And that was so profound for me because it really solidified like, okay, then I'm going to give this thing my all. And here's the thing. You might be planted in a huge church right out of the gates. And that's not a bad thing. I know of someone specifically who went from a church of 300 kids plus to he's now a youth pastor. I'm convinced 500 to a thousand. It's a huge church in a different state. Like he's blooming where he was planted. He was planted in that big church. His planting is no more important than mine with eight students. So wherever you are planted, God's not going to care what your total number is going to be. He's going to ask, are you faithful with what I've given you? You need to bloom where you were planted and understand that your success is, are you being faithful to what he's given you? Yeah. I like that. I think that longevity, you know, for me, uh, I remember when I got hired, it was like, Hey, I, I want to be here for Mm -hmm. a long time. Uh, you know, recently I graduated, uh, students like, like the class that I had, they were the sixth graders when I started, Mm. Uh, you know, that class graduated Mm -hmm. and that was, you know, a cool milestone moment for me something that I knew that I always wanted to be able to hit. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, there have been multiple levels uh, when it comes to like, yeah, okay, you started a youth ministry position. They don't trust you mm-hmm. right away. Want to know why? Because the last person left. Mm-hmm. And so they've got to, it takes time just to even build relationships and gain trust. Yeah. Then you can start to shift culture slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, we saw numbers growth. Uh, we saw numbers growth, you know, in the first three to four years. Uh, but it was, it was year four to five that for me personally, I look back on like, wow, I am so much better as a youth pastor than Mm. I used to be. Sure. And in five years, I'm going to look back at me now and say, wow, I'm way better now than I used to be. That goes back to the whole idea of growth. But I, I think that that is, uh, it's just something that we need to make sure we are continually, continually growing. Something that I have probably said on the podcast before, but I tell our youth leaders all the time when I bring them onto the team that I don't ever want our adult volunteers to be the ceiling of what God can do in so our youth good. ministry. So you know, if our adult leadership team is continuing to grow both in quantity and quality, it will increase the ceiling of what God can do in our mm-hmm. youth ministry. That starts with you as the leader. You know, whatever ministry you are leading, uh, it is not. It can grow beyond your capacity, but it cannot sustain that growth beyond yeah. your capacity. Yeah, you know, if your capacity is sixty students. Your youth ministry might grow beyond that. You might get, you know, a few months of 80, but then it'll ebb back down to 60. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to continue to push yourself and to grow first spiritually, then as a leader and a youth pastor or whatever, you know, ministry you're in. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is, that 
love of the process. You hear professional athletes talk about this sometimes. Like Tom Brady loves practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, LeBron James loves practice. And the love of practice is what allows you to play 21 years in the NBA. Yep. The love of the process of youth ministry, the process of ministry, the good. all of the nitty gritty stuff, that is what allows you to sustain and, and be planted for not just 18 months, but 5, 10, 15, yeah. 20 years. So good. I think we're done talking. Let's do it. That does it for today's episode. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, episode 88. We probably should start thinking now about some fun stuff to do for episode 100. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to come up with some sort of game that we play or something. Uh, we'll have some fun with our listeners. For episode 100, if you have ideas, please let us know because uh, we nothing none of our good ideas are original. No. We steal them all from other people. Totally. uh, And we do it unashamedly. So with that being said, submit your ideas for what we should do for episode 100. We won't give you credit. No, we will. (laughs) We will not give you credit. We will take all of the credit. But uh, with that being said, on behalf of Derek, uh, I am going to go write a whole bunch of post-it notes and stick it uh, somewhere. Goodbye. Goodbye.